official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Last week, I introduced our new series that we'll be doing for the next 20 weeks, next 19 now, 19 Sundays in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the story of how Jesus' earliest disciples became his witnesses after Jesus ascends to heaven. And as I mentioned last week, this is completely new territory for Jesus' disciples. Uh, They hadn't yet experienced discipleship without Jesus being physically present. So for three and a half years, they followed Jesus, their rabbi, and they're, they're listening to his teachings, and they're witnessing him do all these signs and wonders and miracles, and he's hanging out with them. They're living together, just traveling around. They'd, they'd seen Jesus crucified and buried and resurrected. They, they even got to spend 40 days with resurrected Jesus. And Jesus had, had risen from the dead, and for 40 days, he interacted with them. But then we go to the book of Acts, And in the middle of the very first chapter of Acts, we find them in in the difficult position of following someone who they can no longer see. Because Jesus ascends to heaven. And they're they're just kind of looking in the clouds. And now they they have to figure out how do we follow something? How do we follow someone when we can't see them? Which is a pretty great question. Well, the book of Acts answers that question for us. And and we're indebted to Luke for recording this book. As I said last week, Acts is Luke's historical account of the continuing ministry of the living Christ by the Holy Spirit through the church. And it shows us how the Holy Spirit reintroduced Jesus to the disciples time and again. We'll read through the book as we study it and kind of unpack it for the next several months. And what we're going to see is is that the Holy Spirit is continuously reintroducing Jesus to them in a new way. And in turn, he's empowering them to reintroduce Jesus to others, which of course is the mission statement of Church at the Well. Our mission statement as a church is reintroducing Jesus because we want to be the type of church community where the Holy Spirit is continuously reintroducing Jesus to us. So week after week when we gather, man, I don't know about you, but I just want to be reintroduced to Jesus in a fresh way. Like, I want to grow in my knowledge of of God. I want to grow closer to him. And so we believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do that in our community. And also, in turn, equip us and empower us to reintroduce Jesus to others. And so last week, we left off in verse 11. We covered the first 11 verses of Acts chapter 1. And leading up to verse 11... What happens, is just as a refresher, is Jesus tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. And in a few days' time, they're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, and they're going to receive power to be his witnesses. And I told you last week that that word witnesses appears 30 times in the book, and so it's just a continuously popping up witnesses. And then after Jesus tells them this, he ascends to the clouds, and the disciples are just kind of looking up into the clouds and wondering what to do. What do we do next? And, and so the passage of Scripture we're going to look at today, the remaining portion of chapter 1, if I was going to title this section, 
I would call it the what now section. Because Jesus, who they're used to following around and, 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 and listening to and learning from, he, he ascends to heaven. And they're just kind of looking up here, and he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit, and they're just kind of, well, what do we do now? Have you ever had a, a what now moment in your life? Where you just, maybe you're waiting for something to happen, something big in your life is on, you're on the cusp of like a new season or something big, and, and, and you're just kind of, well, what do I do now? Um, I remember the birth of all four of my children was, I felt like that. <laughs> because you have a due date, but the babies are never born on their due dates. It's always, it could be two weeks before, it could be the night before, it could be three days in the afternoon before, it could be two weeks after. And so for a, quite a season, as an expectant parent, you're, you're a little bit on pins and needles. You're excited, but you're also really nervous. And for all four of my kids, it's just kind of like, you just wait for that thing to happen, right? The water breaks, and you're like, wait, 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 what? What do we do now? Oh my gosh, we got to go. But you're just waiting for something. You're anticipating something that's like really major coming. You know it's coming. And, and that's kind of where the disciples are at. Jesus has promised them the Spirit's going to come. Go back to Jerusalem and wait. And so they're in this place of like anticipation. It's probably a little nerve-wracking. They're probably excited at the same time. And what do you do when, when Jesus... Your rabbi, the leader of your movement, the promised Messiah, tells you to wait for the Spirit to come, says goodbye, and ascends to heaven. Like, what do you do? Well, let's walk through the rest of this chapter and kind of see what unfolds. So let's jump right into verse 12 of Acts chapter 1. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas, son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, this is the first time we see Jesus' brothers with the disciples, we know from John's gospel in John chapter 7, he tells us that Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. His own brothers didn't believe in him. Can you imagine that? Well, if you with siblings, you probably can, right? <laughs> but Jesus is like the perfect sibling. where He's never sinned. He's never done anything wrong. And their brothers would probably just roll their eyes at him, right? But they didn't believe in him. But here they are. We see them here. And something's changed. Now they're praying together with the disciples. What changed? Well, probably witnessing the resurrection changed their mind. I think that would be pretty convincing. If you were a sibling of Jesus and you didn't believe that he was the son of God, and then he's resurrected and showing up and he's talking with you, that might be enough evidence. And so here they are, praying with the disciples. Now, we find the disciples here, they do exactly what Jesus tells them to do. They go back to Jerusalem, and they wait. And as they're waiting at their Airbnb that they've rented out, as they're waiting, they decide, let's get together and join together and start praying. See, when, whenever you get to a place in your life when you don't know what to do, prayer is a really good thing to do. 
And so they're waiting, and they're just kind of, well, what do we do next? I don't know. Let's go back. Let's just obey Jesus. We'll do everything he told us to do. We'll, we'll go back to Jerusalem. We'll just wait at our, uh, in our room, and, and, and we'll pray. Well, that's a great thing to do. See, I believe that the disciples had great instincts here. And their instincts told them, okay, let's just do what Jesus told us to do, and, and we'll get together and pray. See, sometimes when you're waiting for God to move in your life and do something big in your life, you need to get together with people and pray. One of the reasons we have prayer after our service on Sundays is because we know that there are people in this room, there are people who are part of our church, part of, part of our church family, that, that you're on the cusp of God doing something big in your life. Man, what a great thing to do to get together and just pray with someone. And so I would encourage you to do that this morning. Again, if you're here and, and maybe you're just on the edge of something new, you know that this 20, 2018 just has something, God has something new for you, something big for you. Man, pray with someone. Now, I would have loved to have heard the prayers in this room. Because they have all these disciples and followers of Jesus. They're hanging out in this room that they're renting. It's an upstairs room. And, and they're waiting, and, and they're praying. And I can imagine that they prayed with a pretty high level of anticipation. Because Jesus told them that to wait there, because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is coming. And I bet you, like, it was palpable. I bet you the energy, anticipation, like, what is going to happen? It's probably like when I was waiting for my kids to be born. It's like, is, is this going to be the moment? Like, I'm nervous, I'm excited, I don't know what to do. They probably were experiencing that at a really high level. Verse 15 says this. Here's what happened while they were waiting and praying. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, which is kind of interesting because it's about the size of our church community. And he said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. And so here we learn another thing that they did while they were waiting. They, they consulted with Scripture. And so they, they did what Jesus told them to do. They obeyed Jesus, went back to Jerusalem. They're waiting. They go to, they go to God in prayer, right? And now we find out something else that they did. They consulted with Scripture. They went to the Scriptures. So I'll say it again. I think their instincts are pretty good, Right? Obey Jesus, go to prayer, read the scriptures, really good instincts. These are great things to do while you're waiting on God. If you're waiting on God for something in your life, man, three great things to do. Obey Jesus, pray with someone, and read the scriptures. And then in verse 17, uh, Luke provides some information about Judas. Now remember, the opening verses of the book of Acts, Luke addresses it to Theophilus, who is probably a Roman dignitary. And Luke here wants Theophilus to know some information about Judas. And so you'll notice in your Bible there's parentheses located there. And what those parentheses imply is that Peter is not saying these words in his speech. Luke is inserting them in this passage to get Theophilus up to speed in regard to Judas' fate. Because Theophilus doesn't know about this yet. And so there's a parenthesis in there. It's still inspired. It's still God's word. It's just Luke inserting this in the middle of Peter's speech. And here's what it says, verse 17. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry, ministry parenthesis. With the payment he received for his wickedness, talking about Judas here, Judas bought a field 
There he fell headlong, his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Yuck. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language a caldema. That is field of blood. So this is kind of strange because in the parentheses here is this pretty graphic description of Judas' death. But what's really unique and interesting about this is it differs from Matthew's account. See, in Matthew's gospel, it says that Judas died from hanging himself. And then we get to the book of Acts, and Luke tells us that he fell headlong, and his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. It's pretty graphic and gross. And so uh, some critics make a big deal about this verse and make a big fuss, but it's really nothing more than just two vantage points of the same event happening. Uh, Let me illustrate this way. Let's say after church today, we were to go outside in this freezing cold, and we were all bundled up, and somebody got too cold, and they were running across the street and, and didn't look both ways, and a car hit them and killed them. And we were witnesses of that. It'd be a pretty tragic way to end our, our Sunday worship time, but let's just assume that that happened. And the, the police show up, and they ask you, what happened? And you say, well, this car drove by, and it hit that guy, and it killed him. And so that would, he'd write that down in his report. But when the coroner comes and does his thing, his report's going to sound a little bit different. It'd probably be more graphic, right? There's pelvis bone was shattered in three places. There's you know, internal bleeding. Uh, his skull was cracked, and here's his cause of death. And you'd be like, whoa, that sounds a lot different than he got hit by a car, right? Because a coroner would use different language. Well, Luke, we know that Luke is a doctor. And so he's providing a graphic description of what followed after the hanging, much like a coroner would. You know, if, if you hung yourself and you were baking out in the sun, you'd probably, some things would happen to your body, you'd get bloated. And if you did fall, if a limb were to snap or a rope were to break and you were to hit the ground, Luke describes kind of what would happen here. And so it's really not more than just, it's nothing more than just two vantage points of, of the same event. Uh, it's a kind of a strange little parenthesis to put in there, right? But it's there, so we've got to cover it. Verse 20. In verse 20, Peter continues his sermon, he continues his speech, and he quotes two psalms, Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. Let's read what he says in verse 20. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Now, one thing we notice here, and we're 20 verses into this book, One thing we notice at this point is the leadership role that's taken on by Peter. And it continues for another 10 chapters until Paul comes on the scene. And this is the first of many speeches and sermons in the book of Acts. Peter stood up. He starts to talk. He's quoting scripture. He's he's preaching a sermon. In fact, what we're going to find in this book of Acts is is that one-third of the book is comprised of speeches and sermons, a third of the content that we're going to cover. There are eight by Peter, there are two by James, there's one by Stephen, and there's nine by Paul. And what we find when we read the book is that Peter carries the majority of the preaching load, you'd you'd call it, in in the first half of the book, and then Paul carries the, the preaching load in the second half of the book. But let's go back to the text here and finish Peter's sermon, what he's saying. Verse 21 Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. 
for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So Peter, Peter gets up, and they're waiting for the Spirit, remember, and they're all in this room. And, and Peter says, hey, to fulfill Scripture, we should choose a replacement for Judas, the Judas who betrayed Jesus. And, and it's easy to go to Scripture and recognize that, you know, Jesus chose 12 disciples. The nation of Israel had 12 tribes. 12 is kind of a significant number. Perhaps uh, the disciples thought that as the 12 apostles, they were to become the new leaders of the new Israel. Who knows? Uh, but Peter sets some regulations here, requirements for this position. If we're going to fill this 12th spot, if we're going to replace Judas' spot among the apostles. Here, here's, what, here's what's required. They have had to have been with us from when Jesus was baptized by John all the way up to his ascension. And they have to become witnesses with us of his resurrection. Now, interestingly enough, when the apostle James is martyred and he's killed by a sword in Acts chapter 12, the apostles don't attempt to replace him. And so something had apparently changed Apparently, their commitment to having exactly 12 apostles changes in Acts chapter 12 because James dies and there's no mention of, well, we better find someone to replace him. Also, when we read further in this book, you're going to find that Paul and Barnabas, who were apostles and called apostles, among other apostles that are mentioned in Acts, didn't fit these requirements. Peter says, okay, if we're going to fill this apostle slot. They have to have been with us since Jesus was baptized to when he was ascended. They have to be witnesses of that. And yet, Paul and Barnabas weren't. And some of the other apostles who were mentioned later on in the book weren't. But they were apostles nonetheless. And so something changed for them, which I argue happens in chapter 2, which we're going to read next week, that something really big happens. And all of a sudden, having the, num the perfect number 12 isn't as important. Well, we'll get to that kind of next week, but let's finish this chapter out. Verse 23 through 26. Let's read this last section. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Let me explain what casting lots was. One of the ways that they would cast lots is they would take a jar and they would put stones in it and they would mark the stones, right, to help them make decisions. They'd shake it. And when one stone fell out, that was the answer that they were looking for. It's called casting lots. What a strange way to choose the 12th apostle. <laughs> right? What is going on here? A casting lot? Well, that's how we got Ian as a pastor. <laughs> we drew the short end of the straw, and he... <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. He's teaching next week, so he'll probably get me back. But here, here's a question. Why don't we cast lots when we choose spiritual leaders and pastors today? And it's biblical, right? We just read it. It's in Scripture. Let me point something out here. In hermeneutics, which is kind of a fancy word for studying the Bible, um, there, there's a difference between descriptive passages and prescriptive passages. In other words, some passages of, of Scripture describe something that happens. Then other passages of Scripture prescribe directions. 
So how many of you have been to see the doctor this year already, right? And, and probably if you're seeing the doctor, he's going to fill out what? A prescription. He's going to say, take two of these pills called Bupatumikamamal and, and call me in the morning, <laughs> right? And you know that you have to actually follow those directions. That's a script. That's a prescription. If you do that, chances are you're going to get a good result, right? But this verse that we're reading here about the casting lots to find the 12th apostle, it is, it's not prescriptive as much as it is, is descriptive. It's describing something that happened. It's not saying to us, hey, whenever you choose a pastor or whenever you have a spiritual leader in your life, you know, get a jar, fill it with stones, mark the stones, shake it. <laughs> Whatever one pops out, that's the one you're... Boy, we'd be in a world of hurt, right? <laughs> we'd have more pastors like Ian in, in our churches. And <laughs> I, I'm sorry. He's going to get me so bad next week. <laughs> so, so, so it still doesn't explain why they did it. You wonder, like, why did they do this? Well, casting lots had a, a respectable precedent in Hebrew history. It was viewed as a reasonable way of making decisions. They believed that God kind of intervened through casting lots. You'll read a lot about it in the Old Testament where, where men and women of God are casting lots and trying to find God's will. Um, interestingly enough, though, after this record of them casting lots, we never read in the rest of Scripture a, a follower of Jesus or a disciple ever casting lots again. Now, why would you think that is? Yeah, because we get to Acts chapter 2, and the very thing that Jesus promised happens, the Holy Spirit comes. And it changes their whole decision-making process. It, it changes it. So now they're not casting lots and believing that God's intervening. They're what's called spirit-led. The Holy Spirit comes on the scene, and he's leading them now. They're to seek him for direction, right? And... I say that to say this. I believe that, that one of the most spiritual things that you and I do on a regular daily basis is make choices, is make decisions. Do you know that's spiritual? Sometimes we think spiritual things are like praying and reading our Bible and going to church. Those are spiritual for sure. But you know what I believe is even more spiritual than those things? Making choices, making decisions. Because not only do our decisions have outcomes that affect us and affect one another and affect even people that we don't know and haven't met. But decision-making allows us to pray, seek the Scriptures, listen to the Holy Spirit, right? interact with God, grow in our knowledge of Him. Right? And I'm guessing that there's a number of folks in our congregation who this year, 2018, even this winter, you've got a lot of big decisions to make. And I hope you're not getting out a glass jar and putting some stone. Kids, go get the stones. <laughs> Shaking it up. Honey, where's the glass jar? We got some decision making to make. I hope you're not doing that. And I hope you're not relying on your instincts, as good as they probably are. See, as followers of Jesus, he's given us a gift, and his name's the Holy Spirit. And he, and he, and he leads us. He guides us the Scriptures teach us. We're going to find out a lot about that in the book of Acts. And so if you're here this morning, you got big decisions in your life, man, we need to learn from this passage, okay? Just obey Jesus, number one. Number two, start praying with people, right? 
Number three, go to the scriptures. And then learn, because it's a process to be spirit-led. One, one of the things, I'll close with this, but one of the things I love about the book of Acts is that Luke tells us exactly how it is. He tells us just what happened, and it's, it's not with rose-colored glasses. <laughs> like, it's not all tidy. Like, shaking stones in a jar to get the 12th apostle? What? <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, they lie about how much they gave and, and they die? What? That's a little complicated. Peter, or Paul rather, and Barnabas, who are close friends and they're apostles and they're ministering together, they have a fight. And the, and the argument and dispute so big that they can't even minister together, they have to part ways. What? Early, what? Paul? You go to Acts 15, and there's this council called the Jerusalem Council, and there's this debate over what Gentile believers, what is necessary for them to do, and there's actually disagreement about it. And they have to have a council about it. And you scratch your head and go, whoa, there's a lot of complexity here. What I love about the book of Acts is Luke doesn't try to gloss over some of the problems that the early church faced. He wants to throw, show Theophilus, who he's writing this book to, he wants to show him, hey, look, there were some, there's some real problems in learning how to follow Jesus who you can't see. In listening to the Spirit of God, who you're just, we're just trying to figure it out here. See, here, that helps me a great deal as a pastor, because sometimes I feel in over my head. And maybe if you're following Jesus, you feel that way too. You're, you're trying to follow Jesus, so you can't even see him. And, and you're reading the scriptures and you're praying and you're getting together and worshiping with folks and you're list, trying to listen to the Spirit and you know God's Spirit is like doing stuff and you're just trying to figure out what it is. Here's the thing. I don't think we're better than the disciples. And if they just kind of like figured their way through this, like, okay, we just got to follow the Spirit and like figure this out, then we do too. And so fo- following Jesus, reintroducing Jesus and having the Spirit reintroduce Jesus to us it's a process. We're going to learn this thing together. Like it, 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 and there are going to be some bumps. I love that Luke records it this way. Because it's, you can kind of read that and be like, oh, phew. So I can, you know, kind of learn how to do this. And so why don't I end there, and we'll, I'll just say a prayer for us. And we'll worship together a little bit more. And if you're here, and you're, number one, if you're carrying burdens that are heavy, and you just need to exchange them for God's burden, which is light. Please come down and get prayer. I think we have a few folks that will be praying after we sing together up here. Also, if you're in a place where you've got some big choices to make, man, pray with someone. Pray with someone. See if, see if God's Spirit is speaking or doing something. Maybe it maybe will be a scripture verse that will pop into your head, or maybe you'll be reading, reading a devotional tomorrow or next week, and, and the Holy Spirit will make something clear to you. Can we, can, we, can we just kind of try to do what the disciples here in this passage are doing? We're waiting for God to move and believing that he'll show up in a powerful way. Who's going to do that with me? Okay, I'm hoping the rest of you will be convinced to try that <laughs> this week. So let's stand together. We'll invite the worship team up, and I'll just close us with a prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Scripture. We thank you for your inspired word. And man, what a challenge the book of Acts is for us. It would be so much easier to skip over this book and just read the nice ones. (laughs) 
that aren't so complex. And, um, but Lord, we know that you gave us this for a reason. And so we want to engage it. We want to tackle it with faithfulness. And we, most of all, want to hear your voice speak to us. And we want you to change our lives. And, and we want you to, to move and work in us and through us. Reintroduce Jesus to us and, and also help us and equip us to reintroduce Jesus to others. So Lord, we just lift up a prayer to you together as a congregation and ask that your Holy Spirit would meet with us and, and help us, those here who are burdened and, and facing all kinds of challenges in their lives. God, that you would exchange their burdens with yours, which is light. You would meet them. Lord, for those who are here who are making decisions and they're kind of in the now, what now phase of their life, they're just waiting for something big to happen. They're waiting for you to, to, to do something big. God, would you just encourage them this morning to obey Jesus, pray, read the scriptures. Lord, and would you meet them in a real special way? We ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.